Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Are you tired of being sheep? Well, so is he. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved. It's We Are Not Cattle Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. I'm your host, Jake Counts, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. This is podcast number four under the new format, and the topic for the show later on in the discussion will be conspiracies, just in general. So, I, I for one, am always up for a good conspiracy. Number one, because it leads you into um, a train of thought that you never thought you would go down, and a perception that you never thought you would take on the world. So that's why, to me, conspiracies are fun. Do I think that there is a lot of validity to them? Not so much some as others, which is kind of interesting. Now, I'm going to have people popping in on the podcast here uh, throughout the show, um, a couple of friends of mine, uh, people that you guys have heard in the past, if you've heard the broadcast before, and we're just going to have an open dialogue, and we're going to talk about it, and we're just going to have the kind of conversation that I think that you and all your buddies have probably had at one point in time if you get the one quote-unquote conspiracy theorist. But first, before we get into all the fun stuff, we need to get serious. Now, the news just broke today, and my friend Daryl is going to be calling in a little bit later uh, on the show and give us an update. I'm actually texting him right now. Give us an update on Adam Kokesh. And currently, the way that it stands, Adam Kokesh, um, just to recap for everybody, was arrested um, last Saturday at a um, Smoke Down Prohibition rally, which he was not participating um, and nor did he have possession of any illegal substance, and was arrested and has been detained since Saturday. He had a hearing go on today, and N.A. Poe, which is one of the other guys that was arrested during the event, was released today. And Adam Kokesh is being held over until possibly Tuesday of next week. So we'll be getting into all of that. And then other news, just hitting Drudge Report and a bunch of other news media outlets coming out about Eric Holder actually knowing, shocker, what was going on in some of these instances of 
um, wiretapping. And one instance in particular was the um, the Fox News wiretapping slash email hacking. And I'm going to go ahead and start with this while we're trying to get people pulled up, and you know, I, so I can kind of grab my thoughts and figure out how I'm going to orchestrate this complete um, quadre, if you will, of of all the different conspiracies that are out there, because there's a lot of fun ones. And while I'm playing some of these clips that I've got pulled up, I'm going to um, I'm going to just kind of list out the ones that I know. And if you feel like taking part in the discussion, if you feel like being part of the broadcast, you can com- you can actually be part of the broadcast two different ways. You can go to the chat window via um, the Blog Talk Radio. If you're listening to this pre-recorded, obviously you're not going to listen to or you're not going to heed any of these statements. But you can actually go to the um, We Are Not Cattle via Blog Talk, and you can chat with me in the chat room. I'll be taking chat questions there. Or you can do the old-fashioned way. You can call into the podcast. You can call into the show. Give me your take on whatever I'm talking about. Give me the conspiracy that you've got. Give me the conspiracy that you think is fun. And like I said, we got to keep this lighthearted, everyone, because the world around us is beginning to get very crazy. And the only way that I can maintain my sanity is to do shows that are kind of off-the-wall fun every once in a while. Because, let's face it, everybody loves a good conspiracy. I mean, whether it's the conspiracy back from the Roman days, which was the... um, Oh, gosh, it starts with a C. I'll pull it up here in a second. But... um, whether it's that kind of conspiracy, whether it's the 9-11 was an inside job conspiracy, whether it's the the New World Order conspiracy, the Illuminati conspiracy, um, the David Icke um, reptoid shapeshifters conspiracy, which I've seen a lot of his um, his uh, lectures and they're pretty they're pretty interesting. And then uh, there's a there's one that my my friend turned me on to the other night, and hopefully he'll be able to call in uh, the the Kazarian Empire uh, conspiracy, an empire that's not mentioned in any of the quote unquote history books that we get, but is also um, it's a civilization that pretty much vanished, that evidently became modern day Israel. But um, I don't have the background to definitely speak on that one. So that's what we got coming up on the podcast today. And first, let's get into some real-world stuff. This is out of NBC News, and it says, Holder okayed search warrant for Fox News reporters' private emails, officials say. And I'm going to read you about half of this article, and then um, we're just going to transition on to a couple of other things, the financial side of things. Now they're announcing after you know the um, the hiccup in the markets today. Now they're announcing that the Fed might stop printing money. Oh no! What will we do without the Federal Reserve? Jeez, and it's amazing that we lasted really long as a world without. Well, I mean, we did always have central banking to, or excuse me, fractional reserve banking, but we didn't. The the grand experiment of the total fiat money, as Ron Paul calls it. Is um, is slowly coming to a crashing halt, and somehow we're going to have to put mattresses underneath this crash so that we don't destroy everything. 
I mean, literally don't destroy everything with with all the derivatives that are out there and couple that with the um a student loan bubble that's that's a very big possibility. So anyway, I digress. Back to the article. And it reads, and this is by uh, Michael Eisenhoff, uh, the National Investigative Correspondent for NBC News. Attorney Attorney General Eric Holder signed off on controversial search warrants that identified Fox News reporter James Rosen as a possible, quote-unquote, possible conspirator in violations of the Espionage Act and unauthorized seizure of his private emails, a law enforcement official told CBS News or NBC News on Thursday. The disclosure of the Attorney General's role came as President Barack Obama, in a major speech on his counterterrorism policy, said Holder had agreed to review the Justice Department guidelines governing the investigations that involve journalists. And here comes the absolute blatant hypocrisy by the man that leads our nation. This guy is an absolute... Um, I don't know. I mean, if you like Barack Obama, or if you think that he is that he tells you the truth, then then you obviously are like Dory from um from the stupid uh, Disney movie. I mean, <laughs> you don't have an attention span more than more than four seconds because every time he says something, he'll counter he'll. He'll contradict that a couple of weeks, maybe not even a couple of days later, and and then they get they get upset if the public points it out. It's very odd, but I, I see this I see this regime, this Barack Obama um, manifestation, I guess, this whole manifesting of a of a um, of a great orator. But um, somebody that that is leading by intimidation, and that's the system in general, and the system has kind of adopted that. I don't know if that's his policies per se, but that's what the system is doing. The system is going around with um, intimidation tactics on journalists and everyone, and that's why this next statement is is so ridiculously um, hypocritical. I'm troubled by the poss, and this is a quote. I'm troubled by the possibility that leaked inf- in leaked investigations may chill the investigative journalist that holds government accountable, Obama said. Journalists should not be at a legal risk for doing their jobs. Then why do you persecute whistleblowers? I mean, I understand that they're not journalists, but why do you persecute whistleblowers? Those are the people that are trying to do exactly what you said. They're trying to hold government accountable. I'm, I'm finding it hard to follow the bouncing ball of logic here, but perhaps it will get better. And the article continues, Rosen, who has not been charged in the case, was nothing less of a target of the search warrant that enabled the Justice Department investigators to secretly seize his private emails after an FBI agent said that he had, quote, asked, solicited, and encouraged to disclose sensitive, inf- sensitive United States internal documents and intelligence information. What investigative journalists do? They're they're gonna, they're going to go after sensitive material. It doesn't say classified; it just says sensitive. So 
And it continues, Obama's comments follow a firestorm of criticism that erupted over the disclosures and separate investigations of leaks of classified information. Now, those were leaks of classified information that what went on over in the Middle East. And the Justice Department had obtained a private emails that Rosen had exchanged with the source and the phone records of the Associated Press reporters. Holder previously said that he recuted himself from the AP subpoena because he had been questioned as a witness in the underlying investigation into a leak about a foiled bomb plot in Yemen, which is what they're talking about and um, where he's talking about the, the private emails and stuff like that. And his role in personally approving the Rosen search warrant had not been previously reported. See, this is where the the sheath that these guys always try to hide behind, whether it's bureaucrats or anybody else in government or in corporate America for that matter is that they they like to engulf themselves in what's called plausible deniability. And that's if somebody comes in the room and says, Hey Mr. President, I think we're gonna go kill I I I I don't I don't want to hear about it. You guys do whatever you're gonna do. And just don't tell me about it. Because then they can literally sit there on stand and say that they knew nothing. Like Eric Holder said on the stand, I don't know, I don't I don't know, I don't know that I don't know about not knowing that I don't know. So and the article continues. A Justice Department spokeswoman did not immediately respond to the request for comment. Oh gee, I wonder why. The Department of Justice later issued a statement. Well, of course they're not gonna comment, but they will issue a statement about the review of media guidelines, and it says in quote, This review is consistent with Attorney General's longstanding belief that freedom of the press is essential to our democracy. Once again, we're not a democracy, we're a republic, but they like to throw the democracy thing around there. At the same time, this is in quotes again, the Attorney General believes that leaks of classified information damage our national security and must be investigated using the appropriate law enforcement tools. Once again, they're above the law if it's national security. The sheep and us, which fund this behemoth, this monolith, this government, so-called government, we fund this thing. But if you stamp national security on it, we can never see what you guys are doing, which is a complete counterbalance to what the founders wanted. They wanted to be an open and just governing body. But we don't have that anymore. We have national security. And I've got clips on how national security became into law. And so it continues. We remain steadfast in our commitment to following all laws and regulations intended to safeguard national security as well as the First Amendment interests of the press in reporting the news and the public in receiving it. Yeah, what they mean by that is saying as long as we can develop the talking points and get it out to the masses in our little bow on top, cherry on top sort of way, we'll do it. Kind of like when all this stuff was going down – and John Stewart even made a gaffe about this. There's all these different scandals going around, and then Obama comes out with um, with uh, David Cameron. They say, okay, you get one question. 
out of the entire group of reporters. So it's trying to it's it's kind of stonewalling the reporters knowing that their that their vessel is is literally going up in smoke. This administration is going to go down in proverbial flames and that is not a literal that is a figurative so you know CIA FBI don't come knocking at my house I'm not doing anything I'm just saying that this specific event with these emails and going after the press and all these things these are probably going to get this whole administration impeached let's let's hope cuz then there's hope for democracy if not then we're all in deep deep trouble and the article continues the law enforcement official, remember official, said that you know he's not a uh, he's not a guy in a costume, he's not a guy in a costume with a metal badge, not a representative, he's an official. Said that Holder's approval of Rosen's search in the spring of 2010 came after senior justice officials concluded that there was prob- quote unquote probable cause. That Rosen's communications with his source, identified as intelligence analyst Stephen Kim, met the legal burden for such searches. And it goes on to say, end quote, it was approved at the highest levels, and I mean the highest, end quote, said the law enforcement official who spoke on the condition of anonymity. Well, at least he spoke, spoke out about it. He said explicitly included in Hol- Holder. Kim has since been identified on charges of elite classified information to Rosen about how North Korea would respond to United Nations resolution condemning the country's nuclear program. He has denied the charges. Yeah, heaven forbid you get somebody's opinion about something. What What is your opinion on this situation? Oh, you're not allowed to comment unless it, it, it goes run up through the chain of command and we give you the talking points. This place is getting absolutely out of control with their with our free speech. We can can we not can we just have free speech in this country? Are you guys going to shut down my podcast? I mean, what's the what's the next step? This is just bonkers. Okay, and it goes on. In an affidavit in support of the search warrant for Google's to Google for Rosen's email, an FBI agent wrote that the Fox journalist identified only as quote-unquote the reporter had, quote, asked, solicited, and encouraged Mr. Kim to disclose sensitive United States internal documents and intelligence information. End quote. The reporter, and this is uh, another quote as well, the reporter did so by employing flattery and playing to Mr. Kim's vanity and ego. It continued, oh my God, you mean he didn't bribe him like our nation does with all these other leaders? They just go over and bribe him, say, hey, we'll give you billions and just give us your oil or we'll give you all this money to build a power plant. But holy cow, evidently um, evidently, Mr. Rosen needs to work into how the military-industrial complex does business. See, I'm already getting into the conspiracy stuff. So it says, much like an intelligence officer would run a clandestine intelligence source, the reporter instructed, Mr. Kim on a covert communications planned it involved. Emails from his Gmail uh, planned, or excuse me, let me read this whole quote over again. Much like an intelligence officer would run a clandestine intelligence source, the reporter instructed Mr. Kim to to covert communications plan that involved emails from his Gmail account. 
The affidavit states that the FBI agents had tracked Mr. Rosen's entrances and exits from the State Department in order to show that he had coincided with Kim's movements. Based on that and other findings, the affidavit by the FBI agent Reginald Rains stated, quote, There is probable cause to believe that the reporter had committed a violation of the Espionage Act. At the very least, either as a aider or a better or a co-conspirator of Mr. Kim. It also said that Google was specifically instructed not to notify, quote, the subscriber, the subscriber, which is Rosen, that said emails were being seized. The new document disclosed Thursday, Justice Department ought to and obtain approval to keep the search warrant, which approved by the federal magistrate under seal. It was it was unsealed in November of 2011, but never made it as part of the docket of Kim's case and went unnoticed until this week. Justice officials have since said that there is no intent to criminally charge Rosen, but media groups have condemned the issuance of search warrant itself. Uh, yeah, you can't send emails. What are you guys thinking? This free country? Come on, man. You guys can't send emails to people. Here's another quote. The Justice Department's decision to threat routine news gathering efforts as evidence of criminality is extremely troublesome and towards time-honored understanding between the public and the government about the role of free press, said Bruce Brown, executive director of Reporters Committee for the Freedom of the Press. In his speech Thursday, Obama reiterated his determination to pursue leaked investigations. He says, in quote, We must enforce consequences for those who break the law and breach the commitment to protect classified information. Okay, what about people that just launch drone strikes every Tuesday morning and kill innocent people? Do we have anything for them? But he said, Our focus must be on those who break the law. In quote, not journalists. He said was calling on Congress to pass Media Shield and has raised the issue with Eric Holder, who shares my concern. Media Shield, a Media Shield law, this ought to be good, which basically will probably be just like anything else unless you have the approved talking points of the government or of the administration. You cannot print anything. I guess this is just going to be thought crime from now on. Anytime that you have a, a rational thought or anytime you decide that you're going to go investigate something that's just thought crime, especially if, it, if it's against a bunch of people running guns into Mexico, which they said was you know started before them, and then they just, oh, well, we just inherited this and we just inherited that. You guys didn't inherit this. This is all you. This is all you guys right here. Man, these guys are crazy. As a part of the Justice Department review of the guidelines, the president said Holder will convene a group of media organizers to hear their views. Doesn't say that he's going to. He says he'll hear them. Doesn't say he'll listen to them. Hear their views and report back to me by July 12th. And that's the end of the article. So you can't even have a conversation with somebody in the State Department. You can't even have a conversation. Think about how crazy that sounds with somebody in the State Department. Because you might have sensitive information. Not classified, just sensitive. 
So anyway, now we're going to move on to the financial side of things. And this is a Reuters piece, and this is where we end up in happy fun land. Markets face a rough summer ride as the as Fed pullback feared. Okay. So the Fed has been pumping $80 billion a month into foreign investments, as I read from Zero Hedge last podcast that you guys heard. I'll actually pull that up here in a second because it's great. I mean, they've given foreign banks... Um, over a trillion dollars of your tax money. Woohoo! So here is what the article from Reuters says, and forgive me because we're going to kind of stumble and bumble through this one, but it's not nearly as long as the other one, so you guys should be okay. And it says, for the past few months, the Federal Reserve has been Squarely in the financial market's corner, thanks to a massive dollops of monetary stimulus. Dollops of monetary stimulus. Oh, dollops. $80 billion a month is a dollop. But signs that central bank is discussing reducing that support by purchasing fewer bonds means that trading is likely to get bumpier over the next couple of months. Which is interesting because if you listen to the quote-unquote conspiracy theorists, um, there's a guy that has a quote insider into the group of the conspirators. Oh, and even goes on to talking about the $85 billion here, and it's great. Um, and he said that this summer will be the summer of the financial troubles, right before the quote-unquote collapse. Do I think that we're going to have a full collapse? I don't think so. I really don't. I think that, I think that number one, if we have a full collapse, that even the rich people will lose their money, and that's just not going to happen. I just don't see that happen. I don't think that they're all dug in like every... I mean, they're dug in just in case... But I don't think that they're just ready to, you know, I, I don't know. I can't get into that conspiracy right now. So let me continue with the article. The Fed-involving stance that made apparent on by the Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke remarks to Congress on Wednesday that he had laid out the conditions that might cause the Fed to reduce its $85 billion a month of buying treasuries and mortgage-backed bonds that go to private offshore banks. Kind of left that out there, Reuters. It's the um, that's the little nugget that we need. And stock and bond markets were whipshot, and the <clears throat> S&P 500 rose dramatically on Wednesday, and only only to far sharply in its largest one-day point swing since November. Bond yields rose about two percent to a ten-week high. On Thursday, bond markets stabilized. Volatility has been lower over the past few months, and the 50-day moving average of the CBOE volatility index, Wall Street's favorite fear gauge, hit a six-year low last week. Yeah, because there's just all this you know, easy money out there for the big banks. I mean, come on. In the past two days, the, it rose as much as 13% and remains at historically low levels. Excuse me, but remains at historically low levels. That may change depending on the future remarks and moves by the Fed. As you start hearing about the Fed, I'm just looking to see if my friend Daryl called. As you as you hear looking, <clears throat> as you hear, as you start hearing about the Fed tapering off asset purchases, I wouldn't be surprised if spook investors and you begin to see the volatility pick up," said Joseph Tanius of Global Market Strategist for J.P. Morgan Criminal Funds. Oh, excuse me, I added the criminal part of it. 
How much money do you guys make off the EBT cards again? I can't remember. It's a couple. Um, it's like uh, it's over fifty million. It's ridiculous. The Fed officials say that they have will see more signs of sustainable improvement in the economy and the labor market before reducing the bond buying to the lower borrowing cost, unpinned a rebound in the housing, and helped to boost stocks to record levels. Yeah, you're you're boosting it with with record destable or devalued dollars. Good job, guys. Look at you boosting those markets. Way to manipulate the numbers. Since November lows, the S&P 500 has gained nearly 25%, which means absolutely nothing if you know how stocks work. In that time, corrections have been brief, and the largest drop of 3.8% fall over the five-day period in April. Wednesday's action looked like the initial stage of a larger pullback. This wobble is coming from sellers who view much of the stock market's ascent as being mostly attributable to central banks' liquidity provisions and less to fundamental economic improvement. Yay! There you go, David Joy, Chief Market Analyst at Enterprise Financial in Boston. With a stronger economy as a prerequisite for the Fed exit, for a Fed exit, for now analysts see the US stock market declines related to the fears of the Fed decisions as buying opportunities. Yeah. Thursday's actions speak to the point. In the early going, the market looked prime for a second consecutive drop of more than 0.8%, in which it has been the first occurrence since November. But buyers jumped in and the S&P ended up up just 0.3% lower. The Fed will have to walk a thin line as it communicates its next policy steps. Officials, including the New York Fed President William Dooley, have cautioned against investor overreaction to policy adjustments. And he says, in quote, the Fed won't adjust unless it int- Fed won't adjust unless and until it is convinced that the private sector can function well and sustainably too, with the permission extent of the accommodation, Joyce said. This should be viewed as an economic vote of confidence. Okay. Pullback in the cards. And this is the last little section of this. With a sharp rally, stocks nearly overbought levels in variously technical readings in Bernanke's congressional testimony on Wednesday, taken as a light hawkish, was seen as an opportunity for investors to take some profits off the table. Adding to investors' jitters, minutes of the latest Federal Open Market Committee meeting show a hawkish bend of a in the policy settings group, which some members are discussing if it will be appropriate for the unwinding of stimulus to begin as early as June. When the Fed eventually reduces its monthly bond buying, known as quantitative easing, or bailing out international bankers, that should be reflected in the Treasury market. Goldman Sachs strategists said that last week that it was a fair value of a 10-year yield is close to 2.5%, which isn't even beating inflation. That may also have an effect on the corporate debt and where the yield on the average high-yield bonds recently dipped to a five, to below 5%. And this is a, a quote. A concession of QE would, would certainly pre- precipitate a repricing in the market, uh, Bonnie Bonahan said, leading global development credit and 
Double Line Capital LP, which manages more than $50 billion in Los Angeles. I doubt, however, Bernanke envisions in ending QE cold turkey. He remarked, his remarks yesterday were more than likely a trial balloon and not to be taken as an ongoing bond buying off the, not, and he is not taking the ongoing bond buying off the table, she says. The raise in these yields should, should be gradual. And in a note, the Goldman Sachs said raising yields would not hurt equities because it would suggest less uncertainty about the outlook of growth or inflation. That is, previous instances where the, it has appeared that the Fed was going to reduce its support for the markets had jolted the stock market. And it says, here's another quote, I think the markets is overreacting and overly focused on the notation of on this notation of tampering, said Stephen Eisenhorn, the vice chairman of the hedge fund of Omega Advisors INC in New York. I don't think it's all imminent. I think Bernanke and his associates have made it clear before they opt to taper what they're going to do to see a substantial improvement in the labor market. And that's the end of the article. Sorry I had to stammer through that, guys, but that's pretty important stuff. Now, you have to understand that what they're saying here in the $85 billion a month of buying treasuries and mortgage-backed bonds, that is basically monetizing debt. So they are monetizing the debt, and they're not monetizing debt for you. Remember, when they create stimulus money or they bail something out, that is coming out of your pocket. That is coming out of your purchasing power, not necessarily your pocket per se, but if they print $85 billion a month and send it to offshore banks and then sign you off to the, onto the debt, which we are all under the Federal Reserve System, you are all owned by the private Federal Reserve, so just get over it. That means that when they start pulling this stuff back, you're going to see a lot of people, like they said, you're going to see a lot of people jumping ship and a lot of people getting nervous. But what really concerns me out of all of this is that the way that there are scandals going on all around and the public is now distracted. This is what always gets me. There will always be something like this or some other bill that will come in. Anytime that we're distracted as a nation, it will come in and just jump on us and just slide something in the back door. Now, not necessarily saying that this is sliding something in the back door, but they've given private banks over a trillion dollars in the last year and a half through QE Unlimited. Now, I understand to a very, very microscopic, I guess, even beyond microscopic way of how our debt-based system works. And I need to get some other guys on here, some experts on here to talk about this kind of stuff. But what, if, what, what we're going through right now is, is going to be interesting because it'll depend on the stability of the euro just like anything else because these markets are going to trade off one another and these global markets will have global pressures. So at the end of the day, I think that we're in a whole world of trouble because we've got a, a private banking institution that controls the currency and credit of our nation. I think that that's a problem. Do I think that it's a quote-unquote conspiracy? That, ladies and gentlemen is the topic for the show. 
and is actually one of the conspiracies that I can actually get behind. Now, the word conspiracy, to quote JFK, is repugnant, but we are basically looking at tonight all the different conspiracies that I've run into over in my time. And everybody's got one. And they're fun. They really are. They're they're absolutely fun. So the conspiracy that I would like to start with, probably the biggest conspiracy out there that is not really a conspiracy at all, I don't believe. Because I'm going to hopefully get some other guys to pop in on the show. One of my friends said he's going to pop in around 10 o'clock or um, in about 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And he's going to go over some stuff with me, and we're going to just chit-chat back and forth. So here goes. The conspiracy that I believe in is the kleptocracy slash New World Order conspiracy. Which the way that I see it, and everybody sees it differently, and everybody sees um everybody sees it as uh you either see it as like a bunch of guys getting in a room together, like a bunch of old bankers getting in a room together, like the fat cats, you know, back back in the heyday of prohibition when the fat cats were meeting together in, in secret and they were doing all their stuff. It's either that this is your perception of it. Or it's just people not stepping on toes, understanding what the what their place in the market is, and then just not getting all over in somebody else's junk. So in my first conspiracy that I'd like to talk about, I want to talk about the military-industrial complex slash... New World Order Corporate Combine Conspiracy. Man, that's a lot. Okay. So, and I did pull up some stuff from Wikipedia, and I know Wikipedia is kind of bad, but I just wanted to get some brushovers here so you guys can understand what I'm talking about. Now, if you're listening to this show, you saw the topic for the show, so you obviously know what a conspiracy is, and they're always kind of fun. You may know what the military-industrial complex or the military-industrial-slash-congressional complex is. But just as a once-over, it is a concept commonly, uh, commonly used to refer to, the, to policy and monetary relationships between legislators, arms dealers, defense contractors, um, political contributions, um, bureaucrats, and the government itself. So it's basically the oligarchs, the bankers, the corporate heads, all of them understanding what there is one agenda to be pushed, and we have to make sure that that agenda gets pushed through. Now, why do I believe in this specific theory? Well, it all comes from perception, I guess. In my perception, up until... I would say about four years ago, was I never thought about money any more than I thought about it as being what its you know definition is. It's a 
a tangible or non-tangible thing that you can use to exchange goods and services with somebody as a form of payment. That would be money. Whether you believe a paperclip is money or you believe a gold or a silver coin is money. As long as somebody will take it in exchange for a a service or a product, you're pretty much meeting the definition right there. So that's all I used to look at money as. I used to look at money as just something to get by. I didn't think about where money came from. I didn't think about who printed the money. I didn't think about where the money came into existence. I didn't know how I got the dollars in my pocket or the ones and zeros in my bank account. I just kind of went with it until I watched a documentary that kind of opened my eyes as to how money was created through the private Federal Reserve System which is creating a debt-based system that then signs governments onto it. And here's a good clip for you to understand how powerful these central banks are. Central banks sit at the top outside of government and loan money to governments. They loan money to defense contractors. They loan money to international agencies. But the Fed typically won't loan the money out to the governments themselves. They will usually use third parties and third-party banks in order to get their goals accomplished. And what I mean by that is through the International Bank of Settlements, which is at the very top of the pyramid, created by the, I believe it was created by the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers, or you're talking about the IMF and the World Bank, which sit above all the nation's central banks. But yet they pretty much act like any other national central bank would, loaning money to other nations, basically, is what they do. And they'll never use the actual nation-to-nation transaction. It'll always be um, a corporation going there. Let's say let's say a um here's a good example. Let's try to think of one here. Okay, let's say that there is a hypothetical island that has never been discovered, and we discover it out five hundred miles west southwest of Hawaii. And on this island we find that it is not colonized by anyone I'm from the United States it's just some indigenous people but they're sitting on top of a huge lithium supply so the people that live on this island are not too they're not too sophisticated the people that live on this island are just basically your your run of the mill um your run of the mill tribe you know they hunt they farm that's how they sustain themselves but now we find out that this island out in the middle of nowhere has a huge deposit of lithium so what do we do well you can't really go there as a nation and all nations would run there together and claim that they would like for them to be a this island to be a part of their nation, which would never go through because the indigenous tribe just wants to be left alone. 
not caring that they have any lithium or any of that stuff. So what would happen? So now you would send in a private corporation that would be able to farm and manage the lithium production and ship the lithium back to whichever said country wants it. Because it's just going to go to the corporation, the corporation will then divvy it out. So then what we have is the independent corporation comes and meets with the chief of the tribe and says, I would like to give you I would like to give you two billion dollars for all the lithium that you have in your in your ground. And let's you know play the bouncing ball of logic. The chief understands what the money would do and how. And then they talk about how they'll help them modernize the island and bring them iPhones and give them internet and connect them with the rest of the um, of the Western world and give them vaccinations and bring them all kinds of you know Western medicine and all those things. So the chief just says that he's going to do it. That bank loan does not come from the individual bank itself. It doesn't come from Wachovia or Wells Fargo. It will probably come from the IMF or the World Bank. Because at the end of the day, the IMF and the World Bank would like to have... Number one, they would like to have you as a debt slave, which is what all of these loans are. They're just basically a modern form of serfdom for all of these independent little nation states that are out there. But not only do they want that, not only do they want the the debt slavery on these people, they want the control because now they control the resource. And so I'm going to play this clip. It's very short, but it really does quantify how much we rely on the banking system in in the value of money and the perceived value of money around the world. And this is going to lead me into the larger conspiracy, so just try to follow with me because as I said before, I didn't understand money and I didn't understand the concept of money. So I'm trying to give you the background of what money is and how money is used and then we can really go into the command and control using money and manipulation all around the world to get what these guys want to get done and what they want to get accomplished. So, and I also see some guys jumping in the chat. If you guys got any questions, you got any conspiracies that you guys want to talk about or you guys want me to talk about, just type them into the chat window and I'll see if I can't pull them up or if I know something about them, I'll see if I can't um, elaborate. So here's a clip that asks the question at the end of the day, are we really, truly sovereign, or are we just owned by the central bankers? I think that right now the question is, do we all work for central bankers? That's what I want to address to our guests tonight. Is this global governance at last? Is it one world, the central bankers in charge? Jim, Jim Urio, you say we've got some downside here, a correction in the markets. Fine. But aren't we all just living and dying for what the central banks do? Aren't we all just counting on the fact that there's a Bernanke put, put and that we won't go any lower than, say, uh, 5% down from here? Of course we are, because if we look at the economic data, there's nothing to get excited about in that. Right. So that's part of what I was talking about before, is that the reason that some of these these investment bankers are saying that this is a trial balloon is because they know that they know that the numbers are skewed everywhere all around the world and that we're in some bad shape. 
So once you understand the essence of central banking, now we can move on to other methods. We can move on to the government side of things. So the central bankers, once again, they control the currency, credit, and flow of monies all around the world. Okay, And even through the IMF, World Bank, and the International Bank of Settlements at the very top, once again, that's the International Bank of Settlements, I believe, if, I'm, if I remember my um, off-mainstream history, is the, is the arm that the Bush family, Prescott Bush, used to funnel money and fund the Nazis during World War II. So now let's talk about how they get into these systems where you have these guys and then you have government going in together and then you bring in the third party is the corporations because anything that you can do that will be quasi-illegal, you're going to leave that to the third party. Much like I talked about at the beginning of the podcast, you're, want, you want that veil of plausible deniability. You want the buck to stop with the echelon that's right below you. You want the person that's right below you in the power structure, in the pyramid of power, you want the person on the lower tier, the tier just below you, to take responsibility and say that they acted alone, which is what you're seeing all over the news now with all these scandals here with our country. It's the same playbook. It never changes. So here's the first clip, and this is going to – and this is out of a documentary from 1987, and it is called The Secret Government, and this aired on PBS back in 1987. So I'm going to – this is a long clip, so everybody sit down, you know, take a swig. Light up a smoke, whatever you want to do. It's going to take a, a minute or two. But what it's going to do is bring you up to speed on the military-industrial complex slash the government-industrial complex's rapid acceleration from the 80s until where we are today. And how what Eisenhower warned us about with the military-industrial complex and all of that. I played that clip at nauseum on my show. How this is really what we need to watch for, and it's not going to be a government coming out and saying, hey, hey, look here, we got all this money, we got all these planes, and we got all these tanks, and we're going to come over and bomb you. Those days are over. Unless you're Israel, and then you threaten to bomb people, and if they retaliate, you can just carpet bomb their whole country. But that's a side issue. So here is the um, the clip. And it's about four minutes long, and then after that, I'm going, I've am going. i got about four or five different clips, so I'm going to bombard you guys with clips because, once again, I hate to hear myself ramble, and I know you guys probably do too. So here's the clip. Enjoy, and I'll be able to comment on the backside and elaborate a little bit more. And then we can get into – after I finish this portion of it, we can get a little bit into the banking side of things or the corporate side of things through the corporatocracy, and then I can talk about – the really fun stuff at the very end, the Illuminati, 
all of that, um, all of the good stuff. And hopefully my friend will be able to call in and give us his Kazarian Empire spiel, and that's usually pretty good too. I was fascinated by just reading. So go look it up. It's K-H-A-Z-A-R-I-A-N, I believe. I'm a horrible speller. I mean, excellent math, horrible speller. So go figure. You can Google it, and I'm sure the NSA will tell you the proper spelling for it. Oliver North had been the secret government's chronic liar, long on zeal for his president and the cause. But he was not the only zealot, not the only one to deceive. The hearings revealed a wholesale policy of secrecy shrouded in lies, of passion cloaked in fiction and deception. But the hearings told only part of the story, so let's begin on day one. I, Ronald Reagan, do solemnly swear that I will... President Reagan came to office promising to restore America's military and moral prestige in the world. Voters had responded when he pledged to be tough on terrorists, a vow he repeated time and again. Let me further make it plain to the assassins in Beirut and their accomplices, wherever they may be, that America will never make concessions to terrorists. That's what the president kept saying but it's not what he was doing. The story broke one year ago, on November 3rd, 1986, in a magazine in Lebanon. The United States had defied its own embargo on arms to Iran. Ronald Reagan was offering weapons to the Ayatollah Khomeini in return for the release of American hostages. The president went on television to deny it. The charge has been made that the United States has shipped weapons to Iran as ransom payment for the release of American hostages in Lebanon. That the United States undercut its allies and secretly violated American policy against trafficking with terrorists. Those charges are utterly false. The president was not telling the truth. And when he held a news conference the next week, the pattern of deception continued. Mr. President, I don't think it's still clear just what Israel's role was in this. Could you explain what the Israeli role was here? No, because we, as I say, have had nothing to do with other countries or their shipment of arms or doing what they're, they're doing. That wasn't the truth either. Half an hour later, the White House press office corrected the president. Israel had been a key player in the sale of arms to Iran. Rapidly now, the web of secrets was unraveling. On November 25th, the president's old friend and ally, Attorney General Edwin Meese, revealed the deepest secret of all. Certain monies which were received in the transaction between representatives of Israel and representatives of Iran were uh, taken and made available to the forces in Central America which are opposing the Sandinista government there. The Constitution is ambiguous on many things, but not on this. The president, quote, shall take care that the laws be faithfully executed. Yet President Reagan himself approved selling arms to Iran. And as for the illegal diversion of funds to the Contras, well, the president's national security advisor said the decision had been his. I made a very deliberate decision not to ask the president so that I could insulate him from the decision and provide some future deniability for the president if it ever leaked out. But there was no denying that the president's men knew what was in the president's mind. And he had been very adamant at the time that he says, look, I don't want to pull out our support for the Contras for any reason. This, this would be an unacceptable option. 
Isn't there something that I could do unilaterally? Unilaterally. In other words, without that, congressional approval. Ronald Reagan's message was clear. Find some way, any way, to help the Contras. So I guess in a way they are counter-revolutionary, and God bless them for being that way. And I guess that makes them Contras, and so it makes me a Contra, too. The Contras. Ronald Reagan compared them to our founding fathers. In reality, Ronald Reagan and CIA Director William Casey were their founding fathers. Two months after his inauguration, the president approved the funds which Casey used to create the Contras. Their ultimate goal was the violent overthrow of the Nicaraguan government, a government the United States legally recognizes. So the war had to be carried out covertly as a campaign of terror. But Americans were outraged when CIA agents mined the Nicaraguan harbors and blew up fuel tanks, causing thousands of Nicaraguan citizens to flee their homes. Congress, in protest, cut off the Contra funds. When the president refused to give up on his creation, the Contras cheered. Yet, so that's how it begins, everyone. And for those of you that have looked into it, for those of you that haven't looked into it, look at the difference in policy in Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan, just in the early years. Now, just look at the Panama Canal, and that's all you really have to look at, because that's where you'll see the real difference in the policies. Reagan was a, a great orator, much like the president we have now. He was great in rhetoric, but very rarely did his rhetoric go along with the anti-establishment candidate he was portrayed as, and a lot of Republicans to this day see him as. He's not anti-establishment. I know that I probably just cussed to some people saying that Reagan wasn't anti-establishment, but the fact of the matter is, is that he was still a creation of the corporatocracy and what um, John Perkins calls the uh, – he was basically just going in to do what the corporatocracy wanted him to do. And that was to get the Panama Canal back under control of the United States, which he did. So – now we're going to move on to the next clip. This was a little bit shorter, and I've got one clip after this, and it looks like I've got a couple of my, my guys signing on that wanted to comment on all of these um, different issues. So hopefully I'll be able to get those guys pulled up. And if you want to call in and comment on the uh, on the show, uh, 602-753-1916. And if you're listening on one of the tapes that airs, if you're listening on, um, on uh, either Blog Talk Radio or if you're listening on um, Liberty Movement Radio or if you're listening on the Liberty Express Radio Network, please check me out live um, every every Tuesday and Thursday, 9 to 11. I'm here fighting for liberty and trying to enlighten the people and know that the only way that we're going to get out of this crazy world that we're living in now is that we have to have a return to common sense morals and we have to kick out corruption on all levels. And I know that's a very daunting task, but guess what? There's more than 6 billion people on this planet. I think that we can do it. So here's the next clip revolving around the same thing. 
government with banking backing. They don't mention any of that, but that's what the secret government is. It's it's circumventing Congress and the American public to get things done that they normally wouldn't do. So here is the next clip. Old the Enterprise. The Enterprise is is the uh, group of of companies that uh, Mr. Hakim formed to manage the uh, Contra and the Iranian project. Who controls the enterprise? I exercised overall control. General Richard Secord has been in and out of covert operations for a quarter century. One of the first Americans to fly secret missions in Vietnam, he also helped run the CIA's secret war in Laos. Secord became a major Pentagon figure in foreign military sales, especially to the Shah of Iran. That's where he met this man, Albert Hakim. Not only was I presented with an opportunity to help my country, the United States, and my native land, Iran, but at the same time, I had the opportunity to profit financially. Albert Hakim was Secord's partner in the enterprise. Born in Iran, he made millions selling American-made arms to the Shah often relying on bribes and illegal payoffs to ease the way. Now he handled financial matters for the enterprise. Like any good business, the enterprise was designed to make money. Am I correct, Mr. Secord, that from December 1984 until July 1985, you were engaged in selling arms to the countries for profit? That's correct. Then, at the direct request of the secret White House team, the Enterprise brokered American arms to the Ayatollah Khomeini. Beyond Secord and Hakim, it grew to include a shadowy network of arms dealers, fraudulent companies, and secret bank accounts. The Enterprise was, as Senator Daniel Inouye put it, a shadowy government with its own Air Force, its own Navy, its own fundraising mechanism, and the ability to pursue his own ideas of the national interest, free from all checks and balances, and free from the law itself. Here's just one example of how the enterprise worked. With the full knowledge of William Casey and Oliver North, Secord and Hakim controlled secret bank accounts in Switzerland that received those contributions from private citizens. The money was then funneled to the Contras. One donor was Joseph Coors, the millionaire beer tycoon. Coors met directly with Casey, who referred him to North. I told him that I was interested in, um, uh, in seeing what I could do, and I asked him for his recommendations. And uh, did North, uh, subsequent to the meeting, provide you the Swiss bank account name and number to which your payment should be made? Yes, he did. Joseph Coors deposited $65,000 into the secret account, but that was peanuts compared to the arms deal. Secord purchased a thousand missiles from the CIA for $3.7 million and sold them to an Iranian middleman for $10 million. On that one transaction alone, after expenses, the enterprise made a profit of $5.5 million, almost 200%. Its overall profits on the sales to Iran may have been as much as $15 million. Oh, yeah. So that is the corporatocracy. They called it the... What did they call it? The Enterprise back then. So they're they're kind of putting it in our face a little bit, but once again, you got to do the research and try to piece all these pieces of the puzzle together. That's what's so great about conspiracies. You have all these different little puzzle pieces, 
and then you just try to wedge them together, and then you see if there's any links between them. And then if you can link some stuff together, that's when you can start to develop a hypothesis and all these other things. So that being said, I got one more clip, and then I've got um, a couple of friends of mine popping in here. And um, I've got one more clip, and then I'm going to go into asking a couple of these guys what their favorite uh, conspiracies are and what their – and obviously I'm the one that believes in the in the banking conspiracy because who controls the money – not only who controls the money, like who has the money, but who controls it, who makes sure that you get money. And I mean, once again, if money is the root of all evil, then what is the creation of money? Is it the creation of evil? Who knows? So here's the um, here's the last clip, and this one's really long, guys. So this is seven minutes. This will give you time to go and grab a beer and come back. Still part of the same PBS documentary back in 1987. Highly recommend you watch it. I only got to get to three clips because, I mean, I, I would, I should have just played that entire documentary and just dealt with the repercussions through PBS. But you know, that's publicly funded; it's all funded by us, so we should be in good shape. But here is the last clip, and this breaks down the uh, the whole ball of wax. So enjoy, and then I'm going to catch on the backside some of your calls and some of the questions from the chat room. Had been our ally against the Nazis an expedient alliance for the sake of war. Now they were our enemy. To fight them, we turned to some of the very men who had inflicted on humanity the horrors of Hitler's madness. We hired Nazis as American spies. We struck a secret bargain with the devil. One that I know real well is Klaus Barbie. He was wanted by the French as their number one war criminal. And somehow we employed a man like that as a very secretive informant. Earhart Fabringhaus was employed in the U.S. Army Counterintelligence Corps and assigned to work with Nazi informants spying on the Russians. One of them was Klaus Barbie, the Butcher of Lyon, who had tortured and murdered thousands of Jews and resistance fighters. During the time I learned that Barbie was really such a brutal murderer, I reported this to my headquarters and I thought I was going to get a promotion. I thought there was a big picture of a deal I had here, you know. And the answer was, uh, Dabringhouse, keep quiet until he's no longer useful, then we'll turn him over the French. Under those conditions, I thought, well, okay, let's work with him. You know, if you're an intelligence officer, you work with the devil. The Americans did not turn Barbie over to the French when they finished with him. They helped him escape to Bolivia. Other top Nazis were smuggled into the United States to cooperate in the war against the new enemy. Fabringhaus still remembers the attitude of his superiors. The new enemy was the only enemy. They seem to have had a preconceived program of what the communists are up to. And if I send in the report that uh, there was a Nazi war criminal running around over there, forget it, we're not interested in the Nazis anymore. We're concentrating on the communists. So began the morality of the Cold War. Anything goes. The struggle required a mentality of permanent war, a perpetual state of emergency. And it meant a vast new apparatus of power that radically transformed our government. Its foundations were laid when President Truman signed into law the National Security Act of 1947. Now that National Security of Act, Act of 1947 changed dramatically the direction of this great nation. It established the framework for a national security state. 
Admiral Jean LaRocque rose through the ranks from Ensign to become a strategic planner for the Pentagon and now headed the Center for Defense Information, a public interest group. The National Security Act of 47 gave us the National Security Council. Never have we had a National Security Council so concerned about the nation's security that we were always looking for threats and looking how to orchestrate our society to oppose those threats. National security was invented almost in 1947, and now it has become the prime mover of everything we do is measured against something we invented in 1947. The National Security Act also gave us the Central Intelligence Agency. This is the house the Cold War built, the CIA, the core of the new secret government. Its chief legitimate duty was to gather foreign intelligence for America's new role as a world power. Soon it was taking on covert operations, abroad and at home. As its mission expanded, the CIA recruited adventuresome young men like Notre Dame's All-American, Ralph McGeehee. I looked back to the individual that I was when I joined the agency. I was a dedicated cold warrior who felt the agencies out there fighting for liberty, justice, democracy, and religion around the world. And I believed wholeheartedly in this. Um, I, I just felt proud every day that I went to work because I was out at the vanguard of the battle against the international uh, evil empire, international communist the evil empire. Iran, 1953. The CIA mounted its first major covert operation to overthrow a foreign government. The target was the Prime Minister of Iran, Mohammad Mossadegh. He held power legitimately through his country's parliamentary process, and he was popular. Washington had once looked to him as the man to prevent a communist takeover. But that was before Mossadegh decided that the Iranian state, not British companies, ought to own and control the oil within Iran's own borders. When he nationalized the British-run oil fields, Washington saw red. Kenneth Love was a young New York Times reporter in Tehran that summer. This was in McCarthy's time, and the whole Cold War paranoia was running wild in Washington. And everybody was saying that crazy old Mossadegh was falling under the influence of the communists. This was not true. He did not receive an iota of assistance from the Soviet Union. Mansur Fahong was a young student activist in Tehran and a Mossadegh supporter. He now lives in the United States as a teacher and a writer. In those days, in early 50s, the idea of an independent, neutral state was not at all acceptable to either the West, either the United States, or the Soviet Union. Mossadegh was the victim of this East-West rivalry. The Secretary of State, John Foster Dulles, and his brother Alan, director of the CIA, decided with Eisenhower's approval to overthrow Mossadegh and reinstate the Shah of Iran. Kenneth Love recalls the work of one American agent named George Carroll. He was the one that paid the money to the street gangs. He was the one that invented the idea that make everybody identify himself as a Shah's partisan, so therefore the opposition will not be able to group in the streets. That was why everybody in a vehicle and anything else had to put a Shah's picture in the windshield and put the headlights on. And that you had to do, or you would have your windshield clubbed in and be dragged out and beaten up and killed or whatever. The mobs paid by the CIA and the police and soldiers bribed by the CIA drove Mossadegh from office. Crown Prince Abdullah greets the Shah as he lands at Baghdad airport after a seven-hour flight from Rome. The King of Kings was back in control 
and more pliable than Mossadegh. American oil companies took over almost half of Iran's production. U.S. arms merchants moved in with $18 billion of weapon sales over the next 20 years. But there were losers. Nearly everybody in Iran of any importance has had a brother or a mother or a sister or a son or a father tortured, jailed, uh, uh, deprived of property without due process. I mean, an absolutely buccaneering dictatorship in our name that we supported. SAVAK was created by the CIA. SAVAK, the Shah's secret police, tortured and murdered thousands of his opponents. General Richard Secord and Albert Hakim, whom we met earlier, were among those who helped supply the Shah's insatiable appetite for the technology of control. But the weapons and flattery heaped by America on the Shah blinded us to the growing opposition of his own people. They rose up in 1979 against him. Yeah, right. So, that is one portion of how governments can work with banks and international corporations in order to get things done. And they didn't get into a lot of how the international corporations found out about all this stuff, and BP was at the actual heart of that entire conspiracy. It was called something else at that point in time, but then became British Petroleum. But that's what they were talking about. They were sending all the oil. Um, they were going to nationalize the oil fields, which the British actually owned, and the Iranian public got something less than 20% of all the sales that they made in their country with their own oil. So they wanted something a little bit different, and then the World Industrial Complex decided to say no. So now we get to move from the finance side of things, from the government side of things. I've talked a lot um, about how corporations are used to, outside of law, go and leverage with the IMF and World Bank, leverage um, nations into bondage via debt. So they'll go over and... Uh, in John Perkins' book, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, he talks about going over to Indonesia and making a trip over there and fudging numbers so that the numbers looked really good and that Indonesia would be this booming metropolis over the next you know, 20, 30 years and that they were going to make all this money by implementing this uh, new energy technology that they had and building all these power plants. And what turns out is that the projections were about 30% over what they actually were. And he talks about how that was never what – the, the projections never equaled reality. The projections were always astronomically higher so that these nations are waiting for these big returns. They never get them, and then all of a sudden the bill comes due. And then the corporations use those contracts as leverage to hold these nation states – to either get them to vote with them on the next UN agenda meeting or to sell their um, sell their raw materials really cheap or they just have them, that person who is in charge removed and they put somebody in there that will play ball. So that is one of the conspiracies that's out there, and it's a really good one because – you can look at how 
governments have a vested interest in keeping the people in their nation happy and not doing things outside of the box. So they'll use foreign corporations, other banks, in order to give them plausitive, plausible deniability as an entire governmental body of what's going on. And much like you heard in the very first clip that I played where it talked about how the Secretary of State said that he was trying to isolate the president from the decision giving him some form of deniability if they ever got caught. So that's how it's done. So they use plausible deniability and then a pyramid structure where the person that is at the top of the pyramid understands what the what the game plan is but doesn't really have the the specific details of the game plan. He knows the overall it, it, it I would equate it to somebody in football knowing that there's going to be a running play like you're you're the guy in the press box and or actually you're the head coach but somebody else is the offensive coordinator to use a football analogy somebody else coordinates the plays on offense the quarterback runs the play on offense or executes the play but if the head coach isn't intimately involved he just basically just stands there and says okay um run the next play all right oh it was a run okay great oh we we sold missiles to iran from the cia oh okay i didn't know that so that's in essence what it is and I can go on and on and on about this conspiracy. But there are a couple of things that I do want to touch on. Now, this conspiracy, the one we're talking about now with the military-industrial complex, does not limit itself to the United States. No, this is a global conspiracy. It is global in nature with a bunch of the most ruling elite families in the entire world that have been around for a long time and have accumulated more wealth than most nations – Working together for a common goal. Now, I've covered this before uh, on the last podcast where I talked about the Club of Rome and what the Club of Rome instituted. And they said that it was their policy to control human population. And so at the top of this New World Order slash global governance conspiracy, you have people that are power-hungry authoritarians, but more importantly, they believe that they are doing two things. Number one, they believe that they are asserting their Darwinistic right of social Darwinism of whomever can rise to the top, should rise to the top, and will be at the top. Or they believe in that they are the only saviors for humanity because we are just too stupid and too sheep-like to be able to control ourselves. And much like I read from the Club of Rome document that said that unless humans can control the birth rate, a death rate solution must be implemented. And I'm paraphrasing, but that's what it says. It said, if only humans could have controlled the birth rate effect or went with a birth rate solution then a death rate solution would not have to be would not have had to have been implemented so it's already been in in place and they believe that they're doing this to save the human species 
which, you know, 50 years ago was probably a great idea. There was mass population increase with all the people coming back from World War II. There was a big population boom. And then all of a sudden you started to see it taper down. So the Club of Rome ties into it. There's a couple of groups that tie into it. Bohemian Grove ties into it. That's where they formulated the Manhattan Project. It's basically a secret retreat out in uh, California where the global elite of the world meet for a week, no cameras, no nothing, and they all um, evidently go through rituals. They have um, ceremonies revolving idol worship. I'm, I'm not making this stuff up. I'm just telling you what goes on there. I've seen documentaries on it before. And a lot of things are discussed. We'll just put it that way. Like I said, the Manhattan Project was was hatched there. And if you don't believe that, that government and compartmentalization works, remember over 100,000 people worked on the Manhattan Project and had no idea what they were doing. Had no idea. And then there is the Loving Bilderberg Group, which was formed back in the 50s, and they got their name. It's actually called the Bilderbergers because um, they were at the Bilderberg Hotel, and so they were at the Bilderbergers. Um, and they are now it's up over a hundred of the world's most powerful, rich, influential people coming together for a four-day summit to talk about we don't know what. Because up until four years ago, um, the mainstream media and other outlets would deny it even exists. But now it's out in the open, and they're meeting um, in a couple of weeks in um, in England, in the UK. So it'll be a hundred of the most powerful people in the world once again getting together in secret. And if you're a conspiracy theory nut like myself, this just screams, no pun intended, this just absolutely screams the fact that it could be just the big discussion of what are we going to do around the world? What's going on? What's the next step? And if you were a conspiracy theorist and you were going to have a global agenda, you would probably want to implement these things in very slow-moving increments as not to alert the public as far as what you are doing. So that's why there's this big push, and they always have these leaks that come out of Bilderberg that are documented. And then, you know, years later, you start seeing these policies being adapted all over the world. Does that mean that it's true? Who knows? Now, let me see if I've got um, let's see if I've got one of my guests that's coming on here. I don't know if he's ready or not. We got a Caller on the line. Let's see if I can pull him up or if he's still on the hold. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am, sir. Oh, fantastic. Robert, is that you, buddy? Yes, sir, it is. How you doing, man? Good, man, good. I was talking with uh, Matthew on my last podcast, and I kept calling him Robert because I had your Facebook page pulled up because I was emailing you all those links. And he started <laughs> getting kind of frustrated with me. He's like, I'm Matthew. I'm like, oh, sorry. So how have I done so far? I mean... The whole topic, and for the last 30 minutes, I wanted to get into the Illuminati, the, the David Icke. I want to touch on just all the other conspiracies that are out there. 
Mm. Not that I give credence to any of these conspiracies. The one that I do really wholeheartedly believe is in the in the banking corporate conspiracy, but I don't believe it in a sense of a bunch of guys getting together in a smoky room, you know, planning out the end of days of humanity. But I just get it as a business meeting where these people are getting together and finding out what is good for business. And I believe that humans in our in our I guess stunted evolutionary growth have just become collateral damage for these people trying to accumulate vast amounts of wealth and power, but at the same time handcuffing the civilization and the and the societies in order to achieve their their egotistical self fulfillment. Wow, that was a really long That was good. Look. Wow. <laughs> All right, you guys cut that up and put that on a t shirt if you can. Yeah, I was just gonna say, man, that's a that's a meme. And then you oh, end it with sorry on meeting. <laughs> oh my god. See I mean that was spontaneous too. So you guys just I mean that's why you gotta tune in because I am just full of little giblets that will come out every once in a while. Sometimes I'm a stammering bumbling idiot but most of the times you know i can string together a couple of cogent thoughts and you know actually be somewhat entertaining so out of the box man before mm-hmm. we get into before we get into the um the david ike stuff the illuminati stuff because once again i went into the illuminati side of things for a while and got way down into the rabbit hole with the you know 13 families a whole nine what are some of the conspiracy theories not necessarily that you believe, but you just kind of find entertaining, and they're always fun to talk about. <laughs> okay, are we? Are uh, what level of entertaining are are, are we discussing here? Because well, let's go. Some let's, of my... let's let's start with some like let's start with some you know some PG. Let's not get to the too outlandish stuff. Like I saw one the other day where Matthew was um, sending me links about the Michael Jackson conspiracy, and that was pretty interesting. Talking about how his handlers controlled him a lot. And I do want to get to this clip on mind control. I've got a mind control clip that's about um, five and a half minutes, but I was going to save that for the Illuminati portion of things. So mm-hmm. what what are what are the theories that you kind of got into and you did research on and you were like, wow, this is – it's fascinating. I think that conspiracies are great because it gives you a sense of – a sense of wonderment that this world has always contained – but the mainstream media and the television tells you that it's not there. Oh, the world's very basic. It's very, you know, it's very simple. You just go to work, you shop, you eat, you have kids, you die, and then you give the Federal Reserve all your money. And mm-hmm. and that's pretty much what they have conditioned the public to see. But I like the conspiracy because it gets you to think. It gets you in out of this, out of once again, it gets you out of the womb of of your comfort zone. Uh, I would have to say my favorite then to to entertain, you know, and and uh, that's a great way. That's a great that's a great way to put it. The in, entertain the conspiracy. All right, so which one do you got? Uh, Nibiru is my favorite to entertain. You know, the, okay, so the that's planet. The, the planet. Okay, so the the the. All right, so for those of you that don't know, because I am not a hundred percent. I, I've seen, I've read probably three or four or five, maybe ten pages of this. So go ahead and break down for everybody what the Nibiru conspiracy is. 
the Nibiru conspiracy, I mean, there, there, there's a couple different ones, but the basic premise is this, is that there is a planet in, in our solar system that is extrasolar, meaning that it is dragging its own dwarf star along with it, and it has a, like, 1,500-year uh, uh, orbit around our sun. And the uh, some parts of the conspiracy say that our ancient ancestors actually came from the planet that has this uh, dwarf star uh, with it. And that, so it's like um, the ancient aliens tied into – okay, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. It's like ancient aliens tied into. But the reason I love entertaining it is because uh, NASA scientists and independent scientists all agree there is a – huge Jupiter-sized planet somewhere in our solar system. Oh, just because of the way the gravity is working and the orbits are working around the sun. Is that correct? It, that's correct. And so that's why I love playing damn me that. For, damn me for actually being able to articulate that knowledge. <laughs> Holy cow. I, I should go back to drinking fluoride and watching more television. <laughs> That'll fix you right up. Yeah, all right. So I, I got at least a good a good marathon of Dancing with the Stars to go to watch now for at least six hours to get me back on the brainwave state that I need to be on. That's another conspiracy, want, by the way. You wanna hear you wanna hear something really, really sad? Okay, go ahead. Uh, Dancing with the Stars is my hidden little uh you know addiction. That's fine. That's fine, man. Everybody's got theirs. Like I said, mine's my Xbox. When 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 thing when the world drives me crazy, I get on Xbox and I go shoot zombies for an hour, and it makes me feel good about myself. So, there you go. Everybody's got everybody. You have to have an outlet in this world, and that's what I preface this show with. Is I'm going to do these shows from time to time. I'm going to do a conspiracy show. I'm going to do a satire show. I'm going to do shows like that. Because if I don't mix it up, then we're all going to just go absolutely crazy because this well, yeah. world is beginning to get really crazy. So anyway, continue with the Nibiru theory, and scientists have proven it because of the the way that Earth orbits and, and go on from there. Yeah, and so, I mean, as far as the science goes, that's where it, it about ends, you know, is okay. that we can, we can prove that there is this very large object somewhere in our solar system that probably has uh, an orbit that is opposite of the – or not opposite. Um, well, I guess it, it is vertical instead of horizontal like the rest of the planets. And, um, and, but what I love about this theory is how – much it branches out. You have the Nibiru theory, and then they connect it with uh, the Book of Enoch and Genesis and the Nephilim and the Fallen Angels. Then you have another branch that uh, connects it to Egypt and ancient technologies, even um, uh, what's the one that sunk in a day that Plato wrote about? Atlantis. Yeah, Atlantis. And, you know, and then you have the ones who say that... Uh, that basically we evolved from these things, and they're they're trying to come back and rule us. And it, 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 it's it, and I I love entertaining the theory because it now has, is that the theory also that that the or is it the ancient aliens theory? Because there's so many out there, and this is once again this makes for just fun radio to talk about. <laughs> is that the is that the theory that that the ancient aliens implanted DNA in uh, or RNA in us in order for us to mine gold because that's what is traded all throughout the universe is gold. Yeah, I, uh, there is there is branches of the Nibiru theory that go into that. Um, there, that, like I said, that's what I love about the Nibiru theory is they they'll take it and they'll stick it anywhere. They're all like uh, New World Order Psh, Nibiru, 
Yeah, nice. you know what I mean. So it's like, like oh, the skeleton key that just kind of opens any lie. It's like, all right, Nibiru, right here. Here we go. I mean, it's all it is, Nibiru. That's it. It's all. It, well, it, I mean, it, I it, guess it, we could. I guess we could just end the show then, because everything's tied to Nibiru, and that is the ultimate conspiracy. And this show's over. I'm just kidding. <laughs> See, look, it just it killed us too. It took out the whole liberty movement like that. Absolutely, there it was. We're on the roof. No, it's fine. <laughs> No, all right. So you got the Nibiru theory. Now, one of my favorite theories, and I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to get my friend to call in here. I'm just texting him back and forth, so hopefully he'll be able to jump on before this is over because he's done tons. And when I say tons, this guy, when I first started getting into the Illuminati and stuff, he's like, here, read one of my, um, he's like, read one of my little white papers that I wrote. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, shoot it over to me. I get it. It's 25 pages, eight font, single space. I'm like, holy cow. So I sat there, and he went through the whole Knights of Malta, the the Crusades, all of it. And after it was all over, I I literally felt like my head was about to explode. But he'd done such great research, and and he figured out how to basically tie all this stuff in together. Now, how familiar are you, Mr. Mr. Robert, with the – with the um, Illuminati theory, if you will? Uh, I would say that I am a, uh, pretty well-versed in it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to actually send you – I'm going to send you the uh, the chart that I'm going to break down here because okay. what, one of the things that, that makes it really easy for me – I'm a visual person I'm, and an audio learner at the same time, mm-hmm. so I um, – I always do better when I have some kind of roadmap in front of me, except when I do this and I just get on here and ramble. But um, the Illuminati actually was an organization that existed. It was called the Bavarian Illuminati, and it existed back in, I want to say the 1800s. And I know I'm going to get a bunch of conspiracy guys call in or you know, just sit there and go, this guy didn't know what he's talking about. It was actually 1843. I mean, just, actually, no, 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 no uh, scratch that. It actually happened in the 1700s because it was before – our founding fathers came over here. Oh, yes. is that you? Is that me? Uh, what? That was the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life on this radio show. Anyway, um, yeah, I just had some really, really weird feedback in my headphones. So if that got caught, that would be kind of cool. But if it didn't, then I guess I'm just losing my mind. So anyway, the Bavarian Illuminati, and I guess I could pull them up and cheat through Wikipedia – yeah, I also – I refer to them as the historic Illuminati. There you go. Okay, that's a great way to put it. But it was a group that actually existed. It was a secret society, and they wanted to try to abolish all state religion and all of that stuff and basically unite everyone. And they wanted to get rid of all of these things as a method of command and control. And then they started getting routed out, and I believe it was – was it Spain where they started to be, or was it Germany, where they started to be found out? Can you pull that up on, on like, Wikipedia or something? Absolutely. The Bavarian Illuminati, and, and just double-check me here, because I'm just, I'm just kind of going by memory here, and I haven't really looked into these guys in a long time. So, um, basically, these guys were trying to get some stuff done, real secret, secret stuff, you know, obviously, and going around recruiting people and stuff like that. And then they started to get found out. And so what they did, and they actually had this written into their little bylaws, is they were they were instructed that they were going to break up and scatter all over the world but still teach their doctrine. 
and their doctrine is just like any other pagan religion. It revolves around idol worship. It revolves around, but they but they mainly tie all of their stuff into, and that's why I really wish this guy would um, could get on the air here. They really tie a lot of their stuff into the ancient Egyptian culture and and the idol worship, the phallic worship. That's what they say that the um, the reason that we have the reflection pool over the obelisk that sits in the Washington um what is that called the mall over there yeah in Washington DC the the reason that they have that there is the illuminati believe in this theory that's called as above so below and you can look up any of these uh, images of um the Illum- illuminati lucifer or baphomet i believe is who they they believe it is who is and he does a signal where he basically points to the sky with one hand and then points to the ground with another, basically meaning that they're bringing balance to the world. If there is inherent good in the world, then they have to bring inherent evil. If there is inherent evil in the world, then they have to bring good and show balance. And the way that they do this is just like any other secret society that we'll ever talk about or you know secret conspiracy, and it's the pyramid effect. So the way that the pyramid effect breaks down, and Robert, you can pull that little that little it thing up that I sent you. Yep, I'm looking at it. But it basically is – it revolves around degrees, just like the Freemasons, and there's the Freemason, you know, obviously. And then you have all these different sorts of knights and skull and bones, and it's all these different little – um, groups that basically tie into this one pinnacle group, and they're called the Great White Brotherhood. And those are the guys at the top of the pyramid, along with a couple of other ones, um, like the princesses and evidently the people that really get into this stuff. And I should try to get um, I should try to get some some of these guys on the show to just talk about this stuff. Some of the some of the guys that got like Mark Dice and people like that, mm-hmm. but um. But basically, they if you follow the Illuminati to the nth degree, then evidently Hillary Clinton is like the the high priestess or the the mother of darkness or something like that. I can't remember what she is, but she's like supposedly super high up there. Mm-hmm. But the Illuminati basically the way that these people oh, my friend TJ just got on, so hopefully we'll be able to pull them up. The Illuminati basically control everything through this Illuminati conspiracy. They control the mainstream media through corporations. They control the music and movie industry through their relationships with the power elite in Hollywood. Most of the power elite in Hollywood are actually born into Hollywood. They don't typically go out there and make it. That is the Hollywood fake fantasy. It is the dream. Just like the American dream that is that you if you work hard and don't cheat and steal and be a good citizen that you'll get ahead when in reality in this upside down United States that we live in today it is pretty much the exact opposite. The biggest cheater gets into the White House and the biggest liar ends up being the press secretary. So it is a complete flip flop. So what were you gonna say? Um on well, top I was of gonna that? say yeah, no, I was gonna say that that I believe that the the theory of them being able to do that is called compartmentalization. Where no compartment knows what the other compartment is necessarily doing. That's correct. And I got into that a little bit before when we were talking about the the military side of things. Talking about how the echelon below you 
is typically where you get the wall off. You know, you get the the wall of people. Um, and he says it, it said it won't let me call. Let me see if I can add him to the call here. Hold on a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead and go ahead and run with that, Robert. Or no, no yeah, problem. I, I got that right. Yeah, go ahead and run with that really quick, and I'm going to see if I can get him on the uh, on the line here. All right, you asked earlier that uh, uh, which country it was that they started gr- getting speed in, or where they uh, ultimately met their demise historically. Well, let's start with where they met their where they started gaining speed, and then where they met their demise. Okay, well, um, they they were founded like where they originated, where they originated, and then where they ended. Yeah, they were founded on May first, seventeen seventy six, in Ingolstadt, uh, which is Upper Bavaria. Um, mm-hmm. And their official name was the Order of the Illuminati. It only started with like five people. Now, okay. um, it was made up of free thinkers, and it was an offshoot of the Enlightenment age, so to speak. And it, it seems to have been modeled around what the Freemasons were doing around this same time. Uh, and they started gaining a lot of speed mainly in Europe. Uh, it it um, It was many influential intellectuals and progressive politicians counted themselves as members, including uh, uh, Frendrand of Brunswick Mm -hmm. and diplomat Xavier von Zwack, uh, the second in command of the entire order. And it had branches in most of Europe. And uh, at its height, it was reportedly about 2,000 members over the span of 10 years. Um, And then in 1777, Carl Theodore became ruler of Bavaria uh, mm-hmm. He was a proponent, a proponent of uh, Enlightenment despotism, and mm-hmm. his government banned all secret societies, including the Illuminati. Oh, there you go. And then that's where they just—that's where they disband. I'm trying to pull him up right now. Hold on a second. Let's see yeah. if I can grab him. EJ. Yeah, what's up, man? EJ Smith, everybody from the original We Are Not Cattle podcast. What's going on, man? Um, it's all good. It's all good. Good, man. I haven't talked to you in a minute, but I had to pull you up. Robert, are you on the line with us, too? Yes, I am. Awesome. Hey, TJ, we are just now getting into the Illuminati, and I thought, who better to call in and have an opinion on these guys than the guy that got me really turned on to them and and diving in deep and... And I was kind of butchering everything at the very beginning. So so I'm going to give you the floor, man, for five minutes. Give the people the once-over. We already laid the groundwork with the Bavarian Illuminati, and I kind of gave them the once-over on how they control the media, they control the press, they control the um, the music industry, Hollywood, all of that thing, and then they control the people through my manipulation. So – You've got the floor, man. Give us the five-minute synopsis of the Illuminati conspiracy. Um, the Illuminati, um, if I do believe correctly, they originated inside Germany under under their name, the um, the Bavaria Illuminati. Correct. Which was started inside um, Bavaria, um, Germany. Mm-hmm. It was started by, I believe his name is Wies, W-E-I-S something. Yeah, we we what? already covered that. We we okay. covered we covered that. We covered them breaking up and scattering. But if you wanted to get into the real, you know, conspiracy side of it, where uh, does it all tie in for the people? You know, um these are individuals who have um pretty much infiltrated every part of our society, not just here inside the US, but they have infiltrated everything all over the world. I mean, of course, you know, there are 13 bloodlines of the of the um, Illuminati family, mm-hmm. and all the way you can actually be a part of the Illuminati is you have to be a part of that 13 bloodlines, and that 13 bloodlines connects to over I mean 500 families globally. Mm-hmm. 
a lot of their main wealth basically comes from the banks. They do run the banks. And, of course, if you do know that the Federal Reserve is not an actual federal entity that is controlled by Washington, it is actually a private entity that is controlled basically by the banks. And these families actually control the banks. And through the banks, they also control the oil. They control the stock market. The whole nine yards, I mean, from the entertainment industry, why do you think that um, Hollywood at one point, which was ran by moguls, actually transformed and they were swallowed up by conglomerates? They have bought in into the shares of these conglomerates and they keep on soaking up every entity that is coming in, especially inside the media, because once you control the media, you control what people see, what they hear, you know, what they read. And once you control the masses, you can condition the masses. Mm-hmm. These are individuals that, I mean, CNN, people that broadcast worldwide, they are able to manipulate the media all over the world. They have the strongholds, not only inside the media, I mean, but from corporations to the food that you eat from Walmart, places like that. They pretty much have control of really the whole infrastructure of the U.S. The U.S. military is not the U.S. military. It's the global elite military. When they have something that they want to do, overseas, if they want to invade a country, they use the U.S. to do it, and they, a lot of times they set it up through false flags. Mm-hmm. These are events that are staged on our soil or, or on other nations that are allies to our soil just so they are able to accomplish their tasks. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, what is what is the Illuminati, from, from your research, what is the Illuminati's goal for all of their conspiring? What are they trying to get at? Their whole main thing is to dominate. <clears throat> they want to break pretty much um, get, uh, I mean, because if you already know, um, I mean, going back inside history, World War One. After World War One, you had the League of Nations. Mm-hmm. Their whole plan was at one point to get Europe into one central thing. That failed. And then later on, you had the European Union. They wanted to get a North American Union. They're trying to get a full global um, lockdown. Mm-hmm. The only thing about it is you have other nations, as Lindsey Williams has said, you have other um, renegade elite nations like China, Russia, and so forth that won't let them do this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, but the main thing is pretty much to establish um, a unified government body via, uh, you know, Europe and the North America. Okay, so what, do you, what did you make of when Lauren Hill came out and said – Something about the the global elite controlling the music industry. I mean, no. how true? How true? And then, have you seen? And this goes to both of you. I'm going to get TJ's take first, and then Robert, I'm going to get your take on it. And Robert, if you haven't seen the video, I'm going to shoot it to you. Have, have TJ? Have you seen the Kesha video? And this is what I got to in the other day with my with my um, with my other friend Matthew. Is, have you seen the Kesha video where they flash the upside down crosses and then they flash the um, the all seeing eye and then they flash the the pyramids with the capstones on it? Have you seen that video? No, I haven't. All right, I'm going to send it to both of you guys and I want you guys to watch it. So, but do you believe that there is some credence to to all yeah. of these people, especially when you got Professor Griff that comes out and <laughs> says that? I mean, what do you make of those stuff? It yo, it is real. Lauren Hill is not the first one. Oh, Two Michael guys, Michael Jackson even he came out. Michael Jackson came out and said that they killed yeah. him. Or it took, all right, so get into here. Hit that really quick. Uh, cover the music section really quick. Robert, I'm going to send you this video. I need you to watch it while we're right. while um, TJ's chatting. 
You All know right, what I mean? There's a lot of artists that have come out that have said things. I, I remember that one time there was this um, video model. She actually said when she was on um, the video shoot for Rick Ross, they was um, before they shot, they was chanting 666, you know. Um, there's no doubt about it that, of course, that, you know, uh, Warner Brothers Music, Universal Music, all these people are owned by these same conglomerate companies that have ties to these people, I mean, you know, that pretty much run it. And, you know, uh, there is a lot of uh, satanic things that you can actually see inside, you know, music videos. And it is no doubt that a lot of times these people, <clears throat> um, where they get to, it does come to, a, uh, it comes at a price. And, you know, Lauren Hill, um, the guy from Public Enemy. Yeah, that's uh, uh, Professor Griff. That's Professor yeah. Griff, yeah. Countless individuals have came out and they had said, yo, that this is real. There is things that goes on inside this industry that is very satanic. Uh, they do have, they are a part of these secret cults things. They do, you know, I mean, you can see it inside the music videos. Well, if you're not really aware of it, but if you are aware, you can see the symbolism. I mean, you can see the hand signs they're throwing up, the pyramids, you know, just like you said, um, the crosses. And um, I, I remember last year when me and you, we were looking at some of the clothes they had that had the upside-down crosses. Oh, had, yeah, the Obey the, the obey line of, of yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's right inside the open, but, you know, a lot of people, they don't know what these things are. So, you know, they go to a Jay-Z concert. They throw up, you know, um, the pyramid for, um, you know, the rock nation. Hey, they so what was it? What, it symbolizes. What, what was your take? What was your take? Because you and I text back and forth about this. What was your take about the Super Bowl this year, where you had Beyonce in the in the in the middle of the all seeing eye? You know, once again, we're this is just fun, guys. This is this is fun dialogue. It makes for great radio. And what do you make of her doing that and then doing the all-seeing eye? And then she says it's, it's the, you know, to support her husband, it's, you know, the Rockefeller, doing the Rockefeller. What did you think of all that? You know, I mean, um, it just pretty much is subliminal messages being thrown out. And, you know, if you really don't know what it means, you're just going to look at it. Oh, it's nothing. It's okay. Oh, it's just this. Mm-hmm. No, the signs that you're throwing up have symbols. Mm-hmm. It really do. And the thing is, a lot of these young people, but not even young people, even older people, you know, you take these superstars, they take these signs, they throw it up, they make it cool, mm-hmm. and everybody else want to throw it up. Next thing you know, you got a whole flock of sheep just following you, and they have no clue that, hey, you're leading them off a cliff. Now, here, all right, I'm going to get way down because I know Robert's, Robert, are you watching that video right now? Yeah, I'm watching it right now. Okay, all right, well, I'm just going to let him... Him watch that. So TJ, um, what did you make? Because I I almost freaked out and I thought it was just super creepy because you know I I follow them enough to know what their numerology and stuff like that is. Mm-hmm. What did you make of the power going out at um at thirteen? <laughs> you know what I'm gonna say at thirteen twenty two, and then it was off for what was it thirty thirty three minutes exactly <laughs> almost? It was off for. And for those of you that don't know, 322 is the is the order of skull and bones, correct? Yeah. Okay, so 322 is the order of skull and bones, which um, John Kerry, um, William Clinton, uh, George Bush, you know, pretty much you, you name it. The majority of these guys were involved in the secret society at uh, it's Yale, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So they were involved in that. And then 33 is the highest degree. It is the quote-unquote illumined of the of the Freemasons. So what did you make of all that? Do you think that was set up, staged? Because I think that they do a lot of these things for publicity stunts to get people to pay attention and to buy products. That's what I think the majority of this stuff is used for. Now, could it be used for satanic worship and behind the scenes subliminally, subconsciously? Sure, I'll I'll, I'll go down that road for with you. Not a problem. I mean, you know, um, as far as the lights going off, you know, I can't really say if that was them. I mean, I mean, it's I mean, it's probably because I do know that um, uh, they were saying that when Beyonce had performed early on mm-hmm. inside the show um, just for a test, they said that the power did go off when she was um, doing her um, test performance before mm-hmm. anybody was there. So that just could have been, you know, hey, just a power outage. Mm-hmm. I mean, but of course, I mean, but when it comes down to the symbolism, you know, um, it's possible. I mean, yeah. it's possible. <laughs> it's fun. It's, it's fun to, and it's like, that's what I preempted the show with. It's fun to go down these roads because they always lead to some really crazy places. And we got about eight minutes left in the live broadcast here, but I know we're going to go into some overtime because I know this is going to just be too fun to stop. But I will have to stop you guys about a minute before we go off to get a to get a hard break for you know for the guys to plug sponsors and stuff like that. But uh, hey, Robert, did you finish that video yet? Yeah, I took a couple of notes so I could point out all the stuff I saw. <laughs> oh, dude. It's TJ. TJ, did you see it yet? I started it right at the very beginning where they have the um, the pentagram in the Pentacle. background behind Pentacle. her. It's not inverted. Excuse me. Excuse me. It was not turned in the proper direction. So you are correct. My bad. So mm-hmm. all right, Robert, give us your breakdown, and then TJ, while he's giving us the breakdown, you can watch that little video. It'll probably take you about a minute or two. Yeah, well, um, just the symbolism alone was ridiculous. Uh, I mean, you had the pinnacle in the background, which was obvious. I mean, you didn't even have okay, to look Okay, so break, it, for break that. down for everybody what a pinnacle is, because I, I skewed um, it. D- depending on your faith, uh, but uh, it, it means different things, but the general consensus is that the pinnacle is the, the five senses being contained within consciousness, or the five elements, or the five, uh, 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 there's five something else, depends on your uh, faith, but it's it's a symbol of power, uh, <clears throat> usually meaning containment, or balance, uh, depending on the, the faith, so um, I would say it was most likely used in the containment aspect in this video. Um, because it seemed like an altar in which it was placed over, the way that the, they were dancing on a stage, mm-hmm. and, uh, there, but there was nobody down on the lower half of the stage. Uh, then the next thing you would see is during the close-up pictures of her face, is she, her face would be in the middle of pyramids, mm-hmm. uh, of two lines diagonal. Mm-hmm. Um, then you had sacred geometry literally just floating across the screen. Yep, pepper uh, everywhere. It, yep, Everywhere. Uh, you could even see like some of the lines that seem random. If you paid attention to the lines after that, they they themselves even made shapes. Mm-hmm. Um, then, of course, the upside down crosses floating across the screen, and mm-hmm. then um, just from you know being in the, uh, a DJ for years when I was in my twenties, um, mm-hmm. I could tell the beat was somewhere mm-hmm. right around uh, uh, that. The beat was. Did you guys hear that? Anyway, yeah. Um, TJ, was uh, that could, your cell phone? Yes, it was. My bad. Okay. Now, see, that's what happened to me earlier, Robert. I was like, dude, there is some creepy stuff. We're talking about the Illuminati. No. There's 
creepy stuff that. going on in the background. This is this is about to freak me out. I might have to just <laughs> jump off the radio right now. All right, so go ahead, Robert. Go ahead. Uh, the, the, I would say it was roughly 90 beats per minute, um, which and uh, to, talk know. about the significance of that because there is. There has been clinical studies in in trials to show that the most popular music around the world can be usually done anything over 75 beats per minute in between to 120 beats per minute. And the reason being is that's what your heart rate, excuse me, heart rate will typically be, especially if you're active, it'll be a little bit higher. So what they're trying to do is infuse the beat with something that's already occurring naturally in your chemistry in order to manipulate you. Go ahead. Actually, that's exactly uh, what I was going to bring up about the 90 beats per minute. That beat at 90 beats per minute is proven that even if you don't even like the song, will cause you to tap your hand, finger, foot, uh, <laughs> whatever it was. Uh, I had to just to try and count the beats per minute. But um, And they do this because th now this is where uh, psychology gets involved. Is They actually found out that if you play the heartbeat backwards, Mm -hmm. At that rate, around 90 beats per minute, backwards, it literally makes you physically and mentally weaker. Huh. God, we're a bunch of thought criminals, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Damn us for knowing stuff. All right, so everybody, just to let you know, the video that we are, the video that we are commenting on right now is Kesha's video, Die Young. And I'm going to link it on the, uh, on the website, wearenotcattle.net. It'll be under the show notes for this. I'll put also all the other audio clips that I ran. I'll put the MP3s on there online for you. So if you want to share them with your friends instead of sharing the entire elongated podcast, you can. But, guys, I've got to end the show right now for the live audience. I'm not going to end it completely. We're just going to go with the exit audio video. All right, so quickly, um, Robert, um, I'm going to come back to you in a second. TJ, I'm going to come back to you as well. Guys, if you want to catch the rest of this, if you're listening live now, check out the website, wearenotcattle.net. You can catch it in the blog talk player on the right-hand side. And you can also check the YouTube channel, We Are Not Cattle TV. I'm going to upload this with all the supporting documents that we're talking about, with the, with the videos, with the articles, all of that good stuff, so you guys can have hyperlinks to it and also just a quick reference guide for yourself. And as we always say here on the show, that's it. Get a friend, get informed, and get involved in Love Liberty, everyone. Thanks for listening. Sorry about that, guys. Now we're into overtime. Thanks for hanging on, everybody that's still listening. And you're going to be able to listen for about another two minutes. So, Robert, um, continue with the breakdown, man. I'm sorry about that. Oh uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, and um, all right. So, so we were at if, the upside down crosses, which is, is, they're, down crosses. they're absolutely just peppering the screen with upside down crosses. Literally, like I, I, I almost missed them because they were that freaking obvious. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, just like oh, stuff flying across. Oh. <laughs> oh look! Oh look! It's a bunch of upside down crosses. All right, so continue, and and there's more because I I know that I saw more when I was watching it. What else you got? 
Well, then you had, like, Kesha's gold vampire teeth. You had her black claws at one point that you could see her drag across her body. You have, mm-hmm. I mean, the the sexual references in it are ridiculous. But, I mean, at this point in society where, you know, sexual references are no longer a telltale sign of anything. But, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> um, you know, and then you had the wolves which wolves and spirit animals have many, many legends, many, many connections to uh, what uh, some, you know, pagan or or uh, druidic cultures. Um, you know, it's a, uh, I, 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 I wouldn't let my kids watch it. <laughs> no, but this is who, this is who kids like. And um, not to say that, not to say that you're a kid, TJ, but you're definitely more of a kid than you and then, than Robert and I are. We're, we're, we're old men now. So, TJ, are you there? What was your breakdown of that whole thing? Just out of that clip that I sent you. I mean, you know, even the song about dying young, um, of course, when she was dancing and the pentagram Mm -hmm. just right behind her, especially with the circle around her, I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and that's just that's just off the jump. That's just out of yeah. the jump, yeah. And then of course you saw the upside down crosses flashing, you know, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And then of course, um uh of course like he said with the different geometric shapes, I was like, I mean, clear as day, you can already tell what this is about. I mean, you know, I mean it just has Illuminati written all over. I for, I forgot I forgot to send you guys the best part of the video. So I'm actually going to cuz I sent it to you like halfway through because I knew that's where all the crosses and stuff were coming up. So I'm going to go ahead and send it to you. This is starting out at like second number 8 and then I want you guys cuz and you guys can stay on air to watch this because you're going to you're going to really freak out when you see what she's got and what what kind of ring she's wearing at the very beginning of this video. It is absolutely awesome. So let me know when you guys got that pulled up, and then you guys watch it at the same time, and let me know what you think of that ring that she's got on. So anyway, if, for those of you that just joined us, or if, you, if you're just getting somebody that tuned in, we're talking about um, my favorite topic, just conspiracy theories, and just getting into the deep conspiracy of everything, and, and just having a little fun with it, because if we don't have fun doing this stuff, you're just going to get overwhelmed, and you're probably going to go insane, and then you're just going to withdraw from society, and that's not going to be good for anyone. So we're just out here trying to have some fun, trying to, um, you know, talk a little bit about, and I've got some mind control clips, I've got some David Icke clips that i got to play, and um, and i got some Bloodline clips, i still got a lot of clips to play. Man, this thing might turn into a three-hour show. I hope not, but <laughs> hey, it might, hey, it might end up being it. So did oh, you guys? Wow. Oh yeah, you guys. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Her face. Her face is in an upside down triangle. There's bullhorns on the car, and she's wearing an eye for a ring. That's like wow. Yeah, no symbology whatsoever. When when my my wife and I watch this video together, and she goes, "Oh my god!" And we both looked at each other, and I go, "Dang, if the Illuminati's real, we are fucked." <laughs> Because, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get more in your face than that. You're exactly right. And for those of you that haven't seen the video yet, she's sitting there, and then she's, like, literally got, like, a, like you said, it looks like a Baphomet helmet that's putting, pretty much put on her or on the front. It's on the front of the car, right? Yeah, it's on the front of the car. You have bullhorns just chilling. <sighs> yeah, it's it's on the front of the car, and then you got her in the upside-down pyramid, and it just pulls up, and then right at the very beginning of the video, she's got the alum- the the eye of Horus, and she's covering one of her eyes, which is very important as well. TJ, 
Talk to the symbology behind covering one of the eyes or putting the pyramid inside of one of the eyes and what that really means. I mean, it basically represents um, the all-seeing eye. I'm, if you actually do your research, you will actually find out um, that a lot of uh, these secret societies, they get a lot of their um, rituals from the ancient Egyptian um, religion. Uh, of course, uh, one of the goddesses that was worshipped not only inside Egypt, but also inside Greece was the cult of Isis. Oh, and, and everybody you know, write down Isis and then spell it backwards and see if that represents anything that you have ever used in your life if you're an iPhone user. You know, and um, I mean, of course, you know, the Eye of Horus was actually used for a thing of protection. But um, get, I mean, but when you get into the Knights Templar, mm-hmm. um uh, you actually begin to see that um, what is believed to be one of their rituals were that they were supposed to walk over the cross and spit upon it. And then you actually see that the reason why that the pyramid is very, very so iconic is because that, um, uh, of course, that the Knights Templar were supposed to have been, of course, the Knights of the Temple, and that's referring to King Solomon's Temple, and that their actual headquarters was inside um King Solomon's old temple, and so their whole thing is supposed to be that you know that the temple, uh, I mean the pyramid is like a stepping stone for them. It's like you climbing the ladder, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know the all seeing eyes. I mean, <laughs> hey, you guys, do me a favor. Rewind your video to 13 seconds and pause it and look at what the side of the, it's a Coupe de Ville, but look at what the side of the of the lettering has been shaved down to. If you guys can pull that up. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I just yeah, saw that. That is just, <laughs> that is just absolutely That's insane. It. For those of you listening at home and we're gonna play I guess we could just we can just play the Illuminati game and we'll just get all these stupid Kesha and Pop videos and we'll just talk about all the symbology in there. But at thirteen seconds she walks by the Coupe de Ville and all the letters are scrambled off and then it says evil on the side. But it has E V L and then they slip the I in there as she's walking by. To, oh my god, this is just so crazy. Oh yeah. This is hey, and then she gets hoisted on their shoulders and carried away like you know, oh like Madonna did. This is so great. Yeah, this, is, it, this it, is love right here, guys. This is absolute you, love from the Illuminati if they exist. Well, what's funny, they it, I mean, it really is. This whole video is mimicking a ritual. Um, you know, they're oh, yeah, they're showing absolutely. up they're showing up to the event or the ritual. They're mm-hmm. you know, the the you know, a lot of uh, rituals especially those that are um uh, suspected to be connected to the Bohemian Grove and stuff like that are orgy-based, sex-based. Um and then even at 22 seconds, you'll see the capless pyramid, you oh, know, yeah. and, it, and, it, and, and, and the whole thing is just a huge ritual. Now, the question is, right, it, because of Kesha's past, is she doing this because she's actually a part of the Illuminati or is this like an audition? <laughs> I think that this is I think that when I see stuff like this, I, I know I, I, I know that these people are, are dumb. Yeah. I know that these people are not that bright. Nor would they ever figure out to do this stuff on their own, and could they get into such a such a distinct group? They might give them like they do Jay Z. They might give them like the fake Illuminati. Be like, yeah, you're a member, buddy. You're in the group. Yeah, you're in the group. Yeah, whatever. 
But I well, really do think – I think that these kind of things are just publicity stunts to to sell records, to get people to talk about it, to get people to share the video, to get people to do stuff like that. And and all it does is gives them more hits. So I think that that's the overlying thing about it. TJ, what do you think? I mean do you think that it's that that it's that big and that in our face now and we're, the, we're so conditioned that we don't even see it anymore? This is something that I've always said. And, you know – First of all, someone who is really a member of a cult, they won't make it known, okay? When you see these, I mean, I mean, think about it. If someone was really inside the Illuminati, I mean, if they truly do exist, but I mean, if they, if they really were, they wouldn't go around flashing it. They wouldn't. Because the one thing is, if these are the people who are actually behind some of the most top secret things that goes on top of the world, you wouldn't actually let anybody know you are a part of it. And, you know, when you come down to a lot of these artists, you know, um, for one thing, you have to be part of the bloodline. And if you're not a part of the bloodline, you're not going to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they may give you some money. You may get some clout to try and go and lure some of the some of the young masses. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, a lot of these artists who goes around flashing these things, they're not are they are not actually in it. They're no, they're they're just they're just they're the like puppets. Puppet yeah, you know, they're, they're just they're just the puppets to make people to make people believe that they can become part of the power structure. I think is what it is. Now, Robert, what's your what's know. your take on it? What's my take? Uh, even if they are, like, say they throw them a bone, like Jay-Z, yeah, 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 you're the Illuminati, it would still be compartmentalized. Jay-Z, like, let's just go with this Jay-Z theory for the sake of argument. Jay-Z gets control over the music industry, and then he just still takes his orders from whoever's above him. And he mm-hmm. never knows what their agenda is, and mm-hmm. he, you know, is only pushing the agenda of those that are in his music industry. And... So if they're a part of his version of the Illuminati is up for debate. Jay-Z gets gets on the end. He gets to run stuff. And then he brings people like Kesha, and he's like, hey, throw a couple symbols in here. Or, or not even Kesha, her manager, whoever it may be. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And, and that's how he pushes just the music industry's agenda, never realizing what it's meant for, you know. And uh, on that note, my wife just pulled in, guys, so I'm going to have to let you go. But, hey, that's great, man. Thanks for hey, thanks for jumping on board, man. And I'm gonna get TJ's take on this. I'm gonna let him wrap up the Illuminati section, and I think we're gonna end the podcast. But thanks for coming on, man. Journalistic Revolution. Everybody, check it out. Give them the uh, give them the skinny, man. Where they can find you guys. I had Matthew on the other day. I have you on. It's like I have one of you guys pop into my podcast about every five minutes. But hey, it's great because I love the insight and I love the I love the dialogue. Once again, I hate to hear myself talk for 15, 20, 30, 40, an hour at a time. So go ahead, man. Give us the plugs. Yeah, absolutely. You can check us out at journalisticrevolution.com. You can always uh, look us up on YouTube. We actually just did a video on the Adam Kokesh, uh, Don Dizarn fiasco and our analysis on that. Um, you can also check us out on Liberty Movement Radio on Wednesdays and Fridays. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, and make sure that uh, we're an open source news organization, so we're always open to people giving us articles and videos. We'll fact check them and publish them for you. Excellent. Thanks for coming on board, man. Always good to have you. Yep, no problem, man. You guys have a good night. See you, buddy. 
All right, TJ, wrap it up, man. This is this is your time with the Illuminati. What is the big takeaway for for all the listeners here on the Illuminati? I mean, you know, uh, another thing that I point out that uh, for one thing that this is just a theory. I mean, there really is no solid solid proof that they exist. For all we know, whoever is in control, they could have had actually just made up the name of Illuminati just to throw people off. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. They could go so a conspiracy a within the conspiracy. I yeah. love it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, because it's true. I mean, I mean, I understand. You know, you know, Alex Jones. You know, he goes to uh, you know Bilderberg. But think about this: if Bilderberg, you know, of course, what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, do you actually really think that they are really that dumb uh, to pretty much to meet in a place? Where they know that people like him will be able to find them. No. Yeah, and it's that's what of, that's you know. I mean, yeah. you really got to think about it because I think about it. if these guys are the people who really control global, I mean, global things around the world. If mm-hmm. anything, the people that really show up to uh, whatever hotel they show up are actually, um, you know, are uh, what do you call it? Uh, they are. If they're really the insiders, then how would how would people know where they're going to be? And I understand yeah, that it was secret for, and I understand it was secret for a long time. And you and I share the same sentiment on this, I believe. And that here here is my take on the whole conspiracy thing, and then I'm going to wrap up the podcast. TJ, thank great job on the Illuminati, man. You always do a great job. But here's my take, and it's right in line with TJ's sentiment. Do I believe that there is a Global corporate takeover happening, consolidation, yes, I do. I believe that we're losing sovereignty here in the U.S. I believe that countries all over the world are losing sovereignty. I believe that nation states as a whole are going crazy together. But what I don't believe is that guys get together in a smoky room and plan out a a plot for world domination. Just because I think that human beings would be smart enough to figure that out. And if we have figured that out, maybe that is the Bilderberg Group. Maybe it's not. But at the end of the day, what we all have to realize is that you can only control what you can control. And the fact of the matter is is that if these people are going to get together and discuss world policy or discuss how they're going to bankrupt some nation in secret, there's really nothing that we can do about it. The only thing that we can do is hold our local politicians accountable, hold our local cops accountable, hold our local municipalities accountable, and make sure – and make sure – that we have some liberty to go to, and we have to wake up the masses to the fact that we are owned by a private bank, and that probably is not good for business, no matter what kind of conspiracy that you believe in. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's the end of the podcast. If you want to check us out, wearenotcattle.net. You can follow me on Twitter, wearenotcattle, the number one, or you can check it out on YouTube, wearenotcattletv. TJ, do you got any Twitter handles or anything you want to give out? Do you want to give out your Tumblr or anything? Nah. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, TJ will be a, a frequent guest on the podcast. He was before. We kind of got separated for a little while, but now we're back in action together. So always enjoy his insight. Smart kid, got a great head on his shoulders. And I don't mean any, no cheap shots by the by the kid reference there by any means, TJ. Hey, thanks for coming on board, man. That's the podcast, everybody. Enjoy it. Love liberty and um, be free, everyone. Take care. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.